Yo, what's up? Welcome to a new year, 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, this is Real Sankar Hours, your favorite black Marxist um, political commentary podcast. Um, yeah, it's a new year. And uh, I mean, okay, oh, house, uh, housekeeping. Um, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Sankar Hours. Again, at Sankar Hours for Real Sankar Hours. Um and, you know, if you want to support uh, independent black media, patreon.com slash real car hours. Again, patreon.com slash real car hours. $5 a month gets you bonus episodes where we have re-theory. We have additional bonus content, stuff like that. But um, anyway, yeah, like 2021 really started off with like just a, a freaking bang. So just. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. I picked a hell of a time to move. Um, we're, we're a little bit late because I was moving and so i didn't have internet set up until a couple days ago and it was like oh great (laughs) yeah so yeah let's let's introduce ourselves and then we'll get right into it so yeah i'm um adam hudson follow me at adam hudson five on twitter uh this is peter m gunn follow me at m gunn peter and yeah um it's it's funny from my perspective well we had a coup america we had, had, we, a, fuck. We had a coup or not or a, a, a coup abortion i don't know yeah uh, near ex, a near insurrection a mob a riot a, 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 a dire a coup diarrhea like they just yeah a bunch of people just kind of like pulled down their pants and just let it rip all over yep. the capital it's mm-hmm. really what happened what it was funny to me because i like it's like meeting up with like a DSA person just to like you know kind of touch base at like in and figure out, out like you know what had been going on there and like we were at a bar and like they had the CNN on but it was like um <laughs> it had it hadn't really like really popped off at the time and then like I kind of passed out early that night and then. I woke up like really early and then it's like all the pictures were everywhere. And I was like, Oh, Oh shit. Um, uh, and then, and then it didn't even, it didn't even really occur to me. Cause I was like, okay, yeah. I mean, they've been doing all this dumb stop the steal shit. And then this was like, Oh, this boiled over. And then I was like, Oh shit. The entire world saw this. Didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, we're recording this on, january 14th slash 15th 2021 and um on january 6th 2021 just barely a week into the new fucking year um there is a there is a trump rally um in washington dc not far from capitol hill and basically it turned into and turned into a riot that basically um there was a mob that infiltrated and put capitol hill under siege essentially um several members of congress were bunkered into their into their offices um and and just all right so um i got some of the i'll I'll mention some of the the details from what we know because i think like when it was first shown live i don't think we got a full um representation of what things were like so there was actually one woman named ashley babbitt who was shot um shot and killed so she was yeah a member of the the far right mob and um so there was i want i want to mention this because um this would just give people a a picture of like how how far it went 
Um, by the way, so far, I, I think like five people have died. Um, one police officer died by suicide after the incident. Um, a couple people died as a result of like medical complications from it. But there was one woman caught on camera. So there was um, there were like Capitol Hill. Like there's all these like different corridors and halls and all that. And so there were certain um corridors that were uh barricaded uh to prevent like you know the mob from going because th- th- those are those halls are where like apparently the um a lot of congress people were uh bunkered down in so there was one barricade and the mob basically um they were uh basically busting the glass to break through the barricade and so they broke one pane of glass so there's a barricade it's like there's doors with glass and then they were blocked by a bunch of chairs and desks to prevent people from crossing it. So that was the barricade. So one pane of glass was broken and this woman, she had like an American flag cape and then she um, basically like uh, tried to climb through the barricade through the window and um, a lot of people were, were getting um, camera footage of this and so there was a Capitol Hill police officer who shot her in the neck and she just just dropped dead right there. So um yeah, like someone someone got there was one woman who was who was shot and killed because the reason why is because um yeah, like they I I there were fears that um this uh this mob of like I I would just say various um factions of the far right like the proud boys the, the, the extra legal mobilizations of the republican party pretty much call them yeah like yeah and um to add on to that basically like the the irregular forces of the republican party and white supremacy and the far right like that's that's pretty much what what this crowd was so um and and so what was uh a lot of people responded to the the mob slash riot like the typical liberal response was, "Oh, this is white privilege because the police were a lot more lax with these with these people than like Black Lives Matter protesters during the su- during the summer, which you know people were protesting peacefully during the summer, yeah. and then th- you know they got met with harsh police response." But the thing that that narrative miss that I think is becoming more apparent now as the days go by is the key difference is that the people in this far right mob uh definitely had a lot of uh buddies in law enforcement like years ago i feel like anybody who like knows about police and racism like this is nothing new that there are white supremacists in law enforcement across the country so um it's like that famous rage against the machine song some yeah, of those who yeah, work for right. some yeah. of those who work forces and now it's like wait what do you mean some right yeah and so so and there there is even video of like um some of the Capitol Hill police were taking selfies with with the the far right mob um there were even some like you know there was even images of like some of the police like uh and when it was outside it was like outside the Capitol Hill like they were uh moving the fences to kind of let people in and so um and also there's there's uh, it's been re- revealed that there were actually a lot of off-duty police officers who were in the mob as well, by the way. Um, who, surprise, surprise. Who right. could have thought that right. the police provided the social base for fascism? Right. And and um, and to show like how 
intense things got. So Representative Ayanna Presley, her panic button was ripped out. So she couldn't press her panic button in her office. And then Jim Clyburn had um, an unmarked room. And apparently this Bob was able to find it. So like, so basically like they had enough inside help to know like where certain people were and um there is even an article like what you were saying peter about uh you know the rest of the world was watching there's this good article on business insider and basically like a lot of um uh military allies like basically other europe countries particularly in europe that do trainings with the united states especially from like nato countries like france um basically said that like hey look like there was obvious obvious help on the inside because they do enough trainings for stuff like this that they have a plan in place to prevent, you know. Oh, yeah. People, yeah, I like, mean, like the, the Capitol Hill the, from being... <laughs> it's the fucking Capitol. I mean, I I remember um, eight years ago, I, almost nine years ago now, uh, during Occupy, I was part of a group of people that did, you know, a peaceful kind of sit-in occupation of the, ca- of the California State Capitol building. Uh, that you know eventually let it led to arrest because basically when the capitol closed at 6 p.m then anyone who was still in there got arrested they arrested like 75 people and i got out in time because i did not want to get arrested that day but i remember going out in front to the steps and there were like literally 200 uh california highway patrolmen in like on the steps in full riot gear and that was like a big like, oh, this is this is the authoritarian state. Uh, like, here it is. And then there are also, from what I was told, like another 200 in like a hotel half a block away, you know, ready to just ready to be deployed. And so in terms of like what the security protocols for protecting the, you know, members of Congress um, in the Capitol, like this was such an obvious and flagrant breach that there's no way that on some level like people in you know probably dhs because uh, that is basically trump's personal goon squad knew this was happening and allowed it to happen yeah 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 and and even like there's an article in newsweek that talks about how like like the fbi homeland security even some white house advisors like there are elements of like various law enforcement agencies that saw this happening but just just didn't didn't do anything i want to bring up uh, a couple quotes from like there is this anonymous um there is this official from this nato official who does trainings with the u.s because the thing about like when it comes to like military and law enforcement training like it's international like the united states trains with israel and we all train with europe and da 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 right this is all part of the whole you know like uh global uh western kind of like uh uh imp- 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 interconnected web of uh imperial states so to speak but this quote i think just really stuck out that i think just like encapsulates a lot um the official said you cannot tell me i don't know what they should have done i can fly to washington tomorrow and do that job just as any police official in washington can fly to paris and do mine the official said the official directs public security in a central police central paris police district filled with government buildings and tourist sites these are not subtle principles for manage, managing demonstrations and they transfer to every uh, situation the official said this is this is why we train alongside the us federal law enforcement uh, to handle these these very matters and it's obvious that large 
let me let me emphasize this. And it's obvious that large parts of any successful plan were just ignored. So basically, like they knew that um, there was going to be a Trump rally like this, and it was definitely anticipated that there would be some sort of um, <clears throat> some sort of uh, riot or mob or any any anything yeah. of that sort. Right, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. You know. When, when, whenever they're, tra- I mean, I don't know. I'm sure the Biden administration's not going to do a whole lot, but they'll probably do some sort of investigation about this, uh, because that's literally the least they could do. And they'll say, you know, I, I'm sure that the people were told they were promised, yeah, they're, we're going to get to, you're going to get to go into the Capitol building, um, and it'll, and they thought it was going to be that kind of a peaceful protest or whatever, quote unquote, and that, you know, it just got out of hand, quote unquote. Right. Yeah. And this is, by the way, this is not an argument for like, oh, we need more, uh, the, the, we just need more competent policing and like the police are just incompetent. Like I'm not the, I'm not really into like, uh, making the empire more competent to do imperialism. That just means giving them more money. Right. Exactly. The reason why I highlight this is to show that in order for this far right mob to infiltrate the Capitol Hill as far as they did to the point of, you know, like knowing some people knowing the floor plans pretty well and being able to find certain people's offices. And even like, you know, the case of Ayanna Presley, apparently like, you know, we're still learning more as, as days goes on, but apparently her panic button was, was ripped out of her office. So like in order for those things to happen, like there had to have been some level of coordination from, some members of some of these law enforcement agencies and then uh, i think what would also happen is that like there were other police officers who were probably just not told about it and were left to just take care of like you know just the they were the ones left hanging and like got overwhelmed when it came to yeah yeah the actual capital police they're probably like oh yeah it'll be a demonstration whatever it'll be pretty low security right but but yeah i mean the line between like stephen miller and the sort of the you know actual nazi uh, formations that are, you know, in DHS and in the Trump administration that are coordinating with the people who do the mobilization, like they knew what it is that they were bringing people to DC to do. And what the and I think what is clear is that there were it was a demonstration in the sense of like, they were showing how far they could get how yeah. because if mm-hmm. they if that was a group of people who had stormed with the intent of actually like killing a bunch of members of Congress instead of just taking selfies and smoking a blunt in conference rooms. Uh, yeah, they could have, they could have gotten a fair amount in. And I, and that was the point. I mean, it was to strike fear into, you know, the mem- democratic members of Congress. So, you know, calling them terrorists is not necessarily outside. It's not necessarily incorrect though what that word means, you know, in the post 9-11 era is very complicated. Yeah, 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 exactly. And also, like, there were several, um, uh, Truth Out and uh, some other people, like, um, uh, compiled a list of all the Republican um, Congress people, both in the House and the Senate, who, um, because the kind of the public grievance that these people were talking about was, um, the election was stolen from Trump and stop blah, blah, blah. the stale, stop the stale. Right, yeah, which, like, and, and the reason why the, the meeting at Capitol Hill was basically to certify the results of the election and the Electoral College and all that. Um, 
And so this is actually where there was a split between Pence and Trump. Pence has been like the most loyal to Trump throughout all four and a half years. And this is when he finally broke with Trump when Pence said, "Okay, yeah, Joe Biden is legitimate winner of the 2020 election. Um, Yeah, like that that's when there was like, you know, a break between Pence and Trump. And and part of the reason I mentioned that, because I, I think apparently some of those people in the mob were. I think we're gunning for Mike Pence too. Like they, they, there were, there were some people like individual members of Congress who like they were gunning for, um, but there were many Republican lawmakers who sided with the claims of stop the steal, who were basically uh, supporting the, the claims of electoral election fraud in 2020, which have been proven to, to be unfounded and inaccurate. So, um, uh, I'm I'm totally in favor of like naming and, and, and naming those people and expelling them from Congress. Uh, Representative newly elected newly elected Congresswoman Cory Bush, um, she put like a, a resolution to uh, expel members of Congress who basically like sided with the mob. And I think, um, you know, I'm I'm not at this point I'm not in favor like because there's been only the like, weird reactions that people have, and I'm not into like snitching on people to the fbi because of yeah yeah that was uh, weird Vin, right don't do, don't do that guys don't snitch right but though but though, though i will i will say uh boon, i remember there's a boondocks episode where they raised a question that is uh um applicable here which is is it okay to snitch on the police to <laughs> the police <laughs> <laughs> right yeah i mean like i like the people who, sh- yeah, because like who's who's gonna police the police in this situation, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, but but like, I mean, the Republican lawmakers, like the Cory Bush resolution. I mean, I think that's a good one. Like, yeah, the ones who were basically siding with the the, the mob, the siege people, uh, the stop to steal. Like when it's been proven that this election was legitimate. Um, yeah, like those. I think re- those Republican Congress people should be expelled from Congress. I would also like to see some of their assets seized. Uh, one one of the people, one of the congressmen is Representative Daryl Issa, who's just oh, I haven't hu- heard that name in a while. God, a huge piece of shit. I, oh, and he's from California. He's from Southern California. Yeah, isn't he Orange County? Yeah, I mean, so he just totally represents the fucking bog water of Orange County. Um, <laughs> just, just, just the rancid pool water. Yeah, rancid, expensive mansion, fuck pool water of Orange County. That's Daryl. Yeah, it's Daryl Isa. Yeah, I believe he's Orange County, if not Orange County, somewhere else in 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 Southern California. But, um, yeah, like he's he's one of the Republicans who sided with the stop the steal claims, and I would love to see him expelled from Congress and his assets seized. I believe I, I believe he's one of the richest, um, Congress people people in Congress. I have to let me check like his um his net worth but uh like his net worth yeah is, i uh, think it's like a few hundred mil um, oh yeah actually it's uh his net worth um is is he a billionaire uh, now close to it like he has a net worth oh, of God. a of um f- over 400 million around there um Somewhere it's like between two fifty because sometimes like even I guess counting some of their net worth you have to count count like <laughs> which fucking assets. Uh, but let's see in twenty twenty, yeah he he has like a net worth of like two fifty million around there. He's 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 one of the richest. He's one of the richest uh members of Congress for sure, Daryl Issa. So 
I would love to see like his his assets seized. That would be great. It probably um, obviously you know probably obviously won't happen, but I would like to see it happen. Uh, I would like to see all those fucking re- Republican Congress people just just to make an example. Like it's a good thing to yeah, just explain. Yeah, yeah, and that's, their that's not going to happen. No, I would uh, love for it to happen, but it won't. Pelosi's happen. <laughs> not going to do that. That's that is one of the things that like kind of bugs me. Um, is that it's good for the Democrats too, in the sense of keeping their voter base nice and terrorized, because you know mm-hmm. everyone was like, "Oh, we get to go back to brunch now," and you know maybe the <laughs> ones that are like still good faith progressives are start going to start to realize that, uh, yeah, Biden administration isn't about shit. Pelosi's not about shit. Um, and you know, they, they might start getting critical, but no, we had like the perfect amount of terror inducing event that does not actually threaten the system, but is, I mean, it's a, it was a media event. Like the, the people that planned this stuff, especially on the right did it full well, knowing that like CNN, like all the cable news channels would be there covering it live. That was like the kind of crazy thing. And it was a media event, you know, like nine eleven. Um, mm-hmm. and so, like, when they're like those kind of discrete media events that are, I don't want to say catastrophic, uh, but are you know certainly uh, a shock to the senses. Serve multiple functions, and one of them is that you know now, Pel- like now, the Democratic Party is rallying around Pelosi, and so yeah. whatever kind of you know half baked schemes to like challenge her ouster are yeah now they're going to be completely dead in the water and uh the fact that you know they're still going to you know usher in a whole you know new era of austerity which is only going to make everyone in the country more pissed Mm because that's the other thing is that what this represents is i mean this is definitely i think a turning point um because this guy because whatever they thought was going to happen and whatever, you know, the plausible deniability that, uh, you know, the like Republican congressmen and uh, media owners and everyone else who th- said they thought was going to happen. They didn't really expect it to get to for it to be this way. This yeah. definitely was a little less controlled than they wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. And that's that's partially because everyone's pissed be everyone's in a bad state because of the economy and not and you know yeah these are not people who are like on the ass end of the system but you know they're in like the small and tested and they can they can feel themselves kind of being forced through um you know the small intestine into the lower intestine and then you know they can see the sphincter far far off and they understand that it could they could end up on the ass end of the system uh it, you know the way that things are going uh and so they you know they have much more anxiety and fascism is essentially capitalism in decay or crisis it's the you know safety valve um you know in case of economic distress break this glass literally <laughs> um such that you know you then you have these extra legal mobilizations to preserve the system i mean literally they were marching to keep the person in power in power right like they were you know they were doing domestic terrorism quote unquote to preserve the system as it is and so that's only going to intensify uh and you know yeah we are headed for um i guess more in p- political instability let's call it 
Yeah, I and I'm glad you mentioned the economy, the economic aspect, because um, I I want to I want to recommend this book called uh, Fascism in Big Business by Daniel Guerin. Um, he it's basically a study of fascism as it evolved in Italy and Germany in the 1920s and 30s, and this was this was first published in um, 1936. But I think it's still relevant now, and I think even because what he pointed out is that when fascism rose in Italy and Germany, um, it was not the working class who were the base of fas- fascism in Italy and Germany. It was the middle classes in Italy and Germany that were the base. But these are the middle classes who felt like basically because uh, World War One had. Uh, devastated the economies of both italy and germany and especially because germany had to pay reparations like there is there is a massive economic crisis in both countries and so like people who were originally middle class like they're you know they they lost their um class and social status as a result and so they were pissed like they were much more pissed than the working class and the poor who were used to being at the very bottom like they're more accustomed to it uh, so the middle classes, like they weren't the ones to go to socialism or communism; they went to fascism. And so I mention that because if you look at the, you know, the the racial dynamic was obvious, mostly white. I mean, there are some like you know, like some people, like some people notice some like some Latinos, some Asians, some a handful of black people. But for the yeah, most the part, the, uh, the Republic of Vietnam flag was being flown, which right? I found very funny, <laughs> right? But like for the most part, like this was a white led movement but then you know so the racial dynamic is obvious but then the class dynamic um like uh this this was mostly um of the white petty bourgeois middle class to upper middle class like one example there was a woman who was a realtor is a realtor from frisco texas and she flew to dc on a private jet and that's like pretty characteristic of a lot of these people. Like a lot of them were, you know, realtors, lawyers, um, in in people of like the, uh, yeah, like the petty bourgeoisie. Yeah, the boat, the boat salesman. Right. Um. There's a good article in the Atlantic. I mean, we're we're normally not fans of the Atlantic, but Adam Serber has actually a decent article about a pretty decent article about this. because uh, the headline is the capital writers weren't low class. Um. And like these are yeah these are business owners, um, real estate brokers, uh, and CEOs, and many of them yeah were police officers, uh, me- like members of public service, like state legislatures, uh, teachers. Yeah, a lot, lot of state legislators. Which, yeah, yeah, a uh, lot of yeah, a lot of GOP like state legislators were there. Um, it, which does not surprise me because any fucking loon can get elected to state rep. Like, oh yeah. Even- <laughs> Which is why I wish like more radical lefties would just run because it's like any any fucking idiot can become state rep. Uh, Stacey Abrams, sorry. <laughs> um, this article, like one thing I like what Adam Serwer points out is that um, even uh, the KKK, like you know, the leadership of the KKK were like planners. Yeah, they're all dentists. Right. Lawyers, ministers, like these were, you know, quote unquote, like respectable citizens. These were not like the, the, the poor working class. And I mention that because like, I think it's um, oftentimes when people, t- some of the rhetoric around the white working class is like pretty cartoonish on all ends. And I think like there's this image that people have that like 
the white working class is somehow this massive base for uh, fascism, which, which I mean, here's the thing. On, on one end, the white working class oftentimes does not work in solidarity with the black working class because, yeah, like the, 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 they're interested in like trying to maintain like the, the social status of, of whiteness. Like that's true. But when the thing is like when we're looking at like the, the dynamics of white supremacy and fascism in the United States, um, basically the class dynamics of black America and white America are not the same because of race. So, uh, so that means like, yeah, like a lot of like when you look at like the occupations of the white people in this in this mob, like there were not white working class. Like these are not the white people who like slipped into fucking poverty. No, no, no nobody, nobody took time right. off of the of their job at the Amazon warehouse to right. go to D.C. to stop the steal. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Like these are right. These. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. These are not like the people who like the millions of people who slipped into poverty as a result of the pandemic who got like the the worst fucking end of this shit. Like, they, yeah, like because they don't have the money or the time to fly to D.C. to like seats the freaking capital. Or, yeah or and also they don't they don't really like well some of the i mean even the ones that voted for trump don't really like him in the sense yeah, of like right. they, they just like the fact that he's not like you know every other politician and they don't really believe i i there's a very widespread just disaffection with the system to even so they wouldn't even be motivated to like you know stop the steal in the first place because they don't really like all of that is just something that is not they don't see themselves as playing any part of it right exactly like, these aren't like the kinds of like segments of like white working class america that like for example have been have gotten hit hard by the opioid epi- epidemic for example uh, epidemic for example right like so this is so like when we're looking at class dynamics as it relates to race um yeah, the class dynamics of Black America and White America are not the same because even like like Black middle class people don't have the same kind of socioeconomic status as White middle class people. Even if you have like the same level of education, the when you add up like income and social status, the the two are not uh, uh, e- equivalent. So yeah, like the, 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 so I mentioned it because um, that's analogous to fascism and big business that basically like the class base of fascism are middle class petty bourgeois types who basically during times of crisis uh are losing in the case of germany and italy like there was a mass economic crisis that where the middle class actually did lose their class position where in this case a lot of people got ppe loans but i think like part of it is is there's all kinds of shit that's going on that yeah they're they feel like they're social status as white people is is diminishing on top of like this pandemic and the economy that is making yeah i think to be fair like making some elements of like even the business small business owner class feel more precarious well and and even and even if they're not like directly feeling the pinch what they can you know what will motivate them is the idea that basically society itself is collapsing and so therefore they have to mobilize to uh take control and uh bring their and bring you know and secure their own position because even even if they're not necessarily personally in danger of falling into the into the proletariat they also see like all the 
extra homeless people on the block um, outside of their workplace or, you know, every, they, they understand that, like, everyone, there's a lot more people on the bottom than there were before. And that, you know, freaks them out. And so there are definitely, there are definitely parts of that. Um, it, and the thing is, is that uh, who's going to stop them? Because it's not, it's not Congress. It's not the feds. Um, right. Yeah. Because, and then in the, the, to, to add on to like the times of crisis, like, again, like these are not the people who got hit the hardest by the pandemic and the economy. And, and for the most part, like economically, they're fine. But I think like during a time of acute crisis, there you go, where the crisis is acute, like now, yeah. with the pandemic yeah. and a depression, um, this particular segment of the United States, like white American petty bourgeois types, like the thing that they're going to cling on to the most during a time of cri- crisis is their sense of whiteness as social status and and i want to say whiteness as social status because like it's not like whiteness you know automatically just because you're white like you think a certain set of attitudes it's when you live in a society like the united states just having like white skin is supposed to give you a sense of social status even if you're poor like whiteness is just having white skin a european heritage is supposed to equal some level of social status and so i think trump what he represents is an affirmation of whiteness of of white identity and white identity politics and whiteness as social status and yeah when there's a time of crisis then you just close ranks around whiteness as uh social status and then yeah that also ties definitely into fascism because this this class element of white america the petty bourgeois middle class types like those are the ones who are like probably even more susceptible to fascism than even the white working class yeah that's true though i guess the one difference between the historical analogies of germany and italy in the 20s and the u.s in the 2020s is that the fascist party and the uh nsdap were separate parties but that were contending with the existing conservative party for power but these guys are they're, this is not a discrete political organization mm, or mobilization. Right. These are fully integrated into the Republican Party. That's yeah. the thing that everyone needs to understand. These, like, they're yeah. so the fascist party is already here and it's already in power or can you know constantly contending for power uh, because it's not this is, it, it's not really a movement in that sense because. Fascism kind of un- understands itself as some sort of almost revolutionary transformative movement um, to, you know, to restore national glory or whatever. Uh, but th- but there's no movement because these people are already bought into the system. They're just pro- mobilizing to protect it. Yeah, but, exactly. But it's but it's not it's not a discrete mo. This it's not a discrete, uh, you know, or distinct movement outside of the two-party system it's fully integrated within it you know so george jackson once again is right fascism is already here it just hasn't been as ugly and on tv as it is now yeah so like in terms of okay like yeah who's going to stop them i I was just actually let me let me um i'll i'll mention it more um locally and specific to kind of to kind of ground this um 
if you guys look back at a listen to a previous episode we did back in um i think it was september uh there was a um hunger strike and occupation um uh in antioch california of antioch city hall to um basically for um accountability for this killer cop named michael Ballone who shot and killed a homeless man in san francisco um and now he's a member of antioch police department which is antioch for those of you who don't know if you, it's in the east bay area like it's the kind of furthest edge of east bay area so that's where antioch is um and so uh um anyway i i've i've because like you know i i live near there i've been getting to know like more of the um some of the activists have been doing some of the organizing and, and getting to know like more just like just in general like trying to like uh uh just you know build community with people in my own area when it comes to um this kind of uh activism and organizing so i, I mentioned that because um i've been noticing like uh th- there have been a lot of um after uh the george floyd protest in the summer more, more of these folks have been doing a lot of um I would say like uh, anti-fascist counter-protests, like anti-racist, anti-fascist counter-protests in cities like Antioch, which are super white and upper middle class. And they're, they've been getting a backlash from a lot of white people in those areas who don't like that kind of um, activism, challenging whiteness and racism in their own communities. And so um, uh, even at the 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 protests at Antioch City Hall, like a lot of those protesters um, got like death threats from because there were some like MAGA chud assholes even in that in even in Antioch who just did not like seeing people challenge uh, police terrorism and 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 you know just yeah p- police violence and police terrorism. So um, my point is that uh if you look like throughout american history anytime like there's some little bit of progress for black people and for racial justice there's always an inevitable white backlash always and so i think like it's important to contextualize even this near insurrection in context of that um that like i think like that's that's still in context of of like a larger white backlash to even like a symbolic semblance of, yeah. of progress yeah. for multiracial democracy. Yeah, I, because I would say it, because that initially sort of when Trump when the Trump phenomenon was first bubbling up, it's like, oh, yeah, it's a reaction to all the progress that we've made, like on the racial level. And it's like materially black people haven't really made any progress since the 60s. Exactly. It's just that there's just been more. It's just that the face on of neoliberalism has gotten a little more diverse and yeah. while the whole system has been hollowing out. And I think a fair amount of liberals like failed to recognize that, like, yeah, that will cause a backlash from people who don't understand who their actual enemies are because they are immersed in the propaganda advertising entertainment stream that all Americans soak in uh, that whose whole point is to not have you recognize who your actual enemies are but certainly certainly that certain yeah but certainly um there is also a reaction just to uh yeah i mean there yeah it's just that whiteness has a siege mentality yes Mm -hmm. yeah exactly yeah i mean and look capitol hill got seized so case in point right yeah so 
Um, but I, I wanted to mention that because uh, um, I, I had said like earlier that I, I, I think that this is, uh, I think I said it earlier, but I'll, I'll say it now. I, I think like um, this is just a sign of uh, more, like what happened at Capitol Hill, I think, is a sign of more uh, fascist, like basically white supremacist and far right extremism to come in 2021. I think like that's, I think this was just a dress rehearsal for more of what's to come in 2021 i think yeah. i said it yeah i think i mentioned maybe like um before we recorded but i'll just say it now so my, my main point what i think is that like what we saw at capitol hill on january 6th was basically a dress rehearsal for more white supremacist and far-right fascist extremism to come in 2021 because i i do remember saying in a previous episode like at the end of the year at the end of 2020 that i think there's going to be more social unrest and uh well shit here we are like right in 2021 yeah yeah this is this this is a different tone setter than assassinating Qasem Soleimani but it's that you're absolutely right because especially because without Trump in office the uh, yeah the extra legal mobilizations the groupings that you know for formed you know around the George Floyd protests and you know were literally kidnapping people Mm -hmm. like those you know the next time People, you know, the cops kill someone and it gets caught on tape and everyone is just pissed off and it's just at the wrong time and things boil over, then those groups are going to be mobilized even further and there won't be, you know, any hope. There, there won't be any uh, restraining element from the top because even Trump, you know, always told them, you know, stand by or whatever. No one's going to be telling them to stand by. And these are the people like, I do want to sometimes just draw a distinction between sort of the Q people mm-hmm. who get kind of lumped in with the Proud Boys and the actual Nazis, because I think the Q people like are, you know, yeah, not very smart, but I mean, a lot of them are pretty uneducated, uh, but they're they're They, you know, are just trying to take down. They're just wholesomely trying to take down a pedophile ring, but they are just, you know, too ensconced in their own blinkered white male understanding of america but the nazis like the actual nazi mobilizational elements they just want to do genocide yeah uh mm-hmm. and so they're looking for any chance to do it they they intend to keep america a white country and so the yeah the next time because there will be a next time because the police aren't going to stop killing people uh capitalism's not going to get any better Mm-hmm. And the Democrats aren't going to do shit. And yep. the Republicans have absolutely no impetus to uh, to demobilize any of these people. And the feds, I mean, like our half our half infiltrated, quote unquote, are like like completely caught up in it and are part of them themselves. So yet yeah, like these. Ki- yeah, that kind of groupings and that kind of terrorism uh on public officials is just going to it's just going to become part of the landscape and it will just be understood as a thing that happens but it'll only happen from the right that's the thing people would talk about um like are we headed for like the years of lead or the troubles like the years of lead was a period in italy in like the 70s where they're you know communist and fascist kind of uh paramilitary groups like traded off like assassinations and bombings and you know same thing with the troubles in the ira versus sort of the uh you know northern uh ireland kind of reactionary pro england types 
But the problem with that analogy is that there's nobody on the left doing that. Like, hmm. like it, the violence is, just comes one way because any any kind of mobilization on the left uh, will just immediately get crushed, and there will be no political cover for it. Like the like the demo like there's no left party that could even potentially provide political cover for any kind of left wing uh ex- extra legal mobilizations let's say because the democrats are not on the left and so right. that, that's that's like the kind of i don't want to say is scary thing because the only thing that stops this stuff is militant mobilization on the left like yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's who beats mm-hmm. fascists sorry Mm-hmm. It's it's communists. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Historically, no, uh, historically yeah. speaking. Yeah. Uh, communists, leftists, and also um, elements of, of, of black radicalism and black liberation mm-hmm. and an indig- indigenous liberation and indig- indigenous radicals and revolutionaries. Like, yeah. And um, and to add on to that, I think um, the re- one of the reasons why is I, I, I just firmly believe um, – well, the reason why I want to say that I, I think that th- this is just a harbinger of things to come is that I think the left should uh, take um, these people seriously and and I think like take um, anti-fascist and I would say militantly anti-racist rather than just anti-racist, but like an anti-racism that actually is, is grounded in some sense of uh, leftism and radicalism. Uh, I, I, th- I think like that that kind of politics and organizing based on that would beat these people. Cause I think, cause the thing is like, uh, I, I, I don't want us to like get into despair because I do think like the, these people who stormed the Capitol, I think they can actually be defeated. I don't think that they're, yeah. you know, undefeated. Yeah. Like they're, they can be defeated. And it's just like, I just, just knowing like how to defeat them and organizing on that basis. I think, uh, we can be, um, successful now. Now, also add on, and, and Peter, you can continue um, before I forget. Uh, I think particularly um, white leftists uh, need to. I really, I'm, I'm just gonna say, like, I, I think white leftists need to check their own white spaces, white spaces, and white communities that they're in and have access to for signs of fascist and white supremacists in their midst. Because I think the reason why I say this is because one thing I've been noticing, even just where I live, um, some of the people like at the mob are hiding in plain sight, like around the country. And one tactic of anti-fascism is actually, yeah, like exposing fi- them, expose, yeah, I, just exposing it's, them. It's fun. It's funny because yeah, like the the actual antifas uh, that are out there, they don't really like do vandalism or get into street fights. Most of what they do is like doxing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, though, I do think also that there's this prevailing liberal sentiment that, like, oh, we don't want to fight them because that's what they want. Uh, you know, that's playing <laughs> into their hand. And it's like, maybe. I mean, yeah, like a civil war. I, we're not going to talk about that because yeah. that's just stupid. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, okay, yes. Like, just political violence in and of itself that's just kind of ambient is something that serves reactionary ends. But... At the same time, like you cannot be afraid of these people and you and you cannot like fascists do not see human beings and see the world the way we do. Like if the, if nobody stops them, 
like they then they just see that as permission to keep going they don't have shame they don't like yeah they're not trolls in the sense of like oh well if you just ignore them they'll go away no you have to stand up to them like militantly and something and i do think honestly like if there's like a fascist demonstration just like oh organizing like a massive counter mobilization that dwarfs them like 10 to 1 i think is still the best strategy but it doesn't have to get that far i mean sometimes it's just like if you know where they hang out like you know and you run into them like yeah don't be afraid to fuck them up like at this point it's like it's not just about you know agreeing to disagree with your cousin or you know (laughs) confronting them at thanksgiving you might have to actually fuck them up i'm just saying like like we like we can't just let these people roll around, roam around and do this. And, you know, trying to report them to the feds trying to, is, uh, is a fool's errand. Yeah. And also not really the way we want to go about it. Like I want to, I want to fuck them up. I don't want the police to do it. Right. Like, and, and also like, look, they got buddies in the force. So like, you know, like yeah. they're the, the QAnon shaman guy, the guy with the fucking like, the viking horns and looking like a yeti and shit with his shirt off like uh he he's i think as of now he's been detained but apparently um he didn't eat for a couple days because like the prison the jail didn't have any organic food and he's like on a diet and he doesn't eat the their food and so like they gave him organic food and then there was like another guy who um got like home confinement and I'm, I'm looking at them and i'm like look like i'm not in favor of like you know further incarceration but just looking at like the treatment that they're getting just highlights like who the system actually works for so like they're getting they're getting far far more generous treatment than like black people like black teenagers yeah. who get fucking drug charges so yeah yeah or <laughs> any yeah or any of the people who like any of the teenagers that got rounded up in like the baltimore protests Um, yeah exactly so like just sending them like the liberal reaction of like oh we need to put them in prison and send them to like the fbi like look they got friends in that freaking system they're not look look what i want to do with them is they're they're not going to prison like let's let's be real Um, yeah so um but i I think expand expand your imagination (laughs) right right yeah exactly like there are other ways of fighting fascism um from the left that don't entail like working through the carceral state and that that can actually like yeah politically defeat them but just sending them through like again they have friends in the prison system and the and the and the, the feds and the police so you know like you're not this is just again like the police are policing the police especially again there were off-duty officers in the freaking mob like so come on yeah. like you think like <laughs> I, I but but my my point, yeah, my main point is that I think, um, uh, I think like right now in twenty twenty one, what I think might be a theme, but I think there's some just to just to, you know, uh, be on guard about is that I think, um, the left is going to have to take like anti fascist organizing more seriously than I think it did compared to like you know, uh, post twenty sixteen when it, it seemed like a lot of the left it less energy not the entire left in the united states but like a a lot of the american left energy was focused on bernie and electing progressives to congress and in in you know like i'm i'm really i'm really not into like the whole putting the left's energy into like electing more people into congress although 
Peter, you're right. Like, I think, like, yeah, having some radicals get elected into, like, state yeah. legislators yeah. and city yeah, councils, just, just that's not, a good thing. That that can work. I electoral can politics is fine. It's not through the Democratic Party. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You can't do it through, like, the Democratic Party machine. But if you have, like, a couple, yeah, like, socialists elected to city council and state legislators, like, go for it. Like, that's – I'm not opposed to that, but uh, – I, I don't. I don't think like putting all of the left energy into electoral politics no. is going to be wise. But I think like yeah, twenty twenty one. I think like something to to keep in mind is that uh, I think this is going to be, you know, because of of, of what happened. There's going to be more of a need for real yeah. uh, anti fascism. Yeah, and this is part of like police abolition too. Is like yeah, exactly. Is like you know, and like look, we're not like we're not advocating for illegal activity. Um, <laughs> but you know but there like there are militant you know community defense type or forms of organization yeah that are that can confront fascists like where they live that are not you know forming a paramilitary to overthrow the government all right yeah like, like you like there is ways to, you know and yeah like yeah the, the police will be out after you but you, you know it's not it's not like an illegal underground movement. Like there's there's plenty of room to just kind of you know ha- have stuff. I don't want to say more on a social club type level, but honestly, that's part of it. Like you know, gun safety and gun training, uh, like the Socialist Rifle Association, that kind of stuff. But like taking it seriously and like yeah, figuring out where these people are, and a lot of them are in pretty liberal areas. I mean. Oregon and the Pacific Northwest is like Nazi epicenter. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like, you know, all over the country, I mean, they're fucking everywhere and there's only going to be more of them. And so like there it's that, that in and of itself, like, like that's not adventurism. That's not being an edgelord. That's not, you know, some sort of orgiastic uh, thrill seeking. That is like defending your community and like, people most marginalized because here's the thing right when all those fuckers go to dc they do their stupid little rally then once they're done with that they get drunk and then they go commit hate crimes like (laughs) like that's what they did like you know that's what that's what these people do because that's the point uh that's the point of being a proud boy is like yeah you want to go commit hate crimes with your bros uh so like like leaving them unchecked or just you know thinking oh we just need to ignore them or hoping the police deal with it or something not taking the fight to them is i mean at some point it's like actually malignant yeah yeah oh that yeah malignant yeah excellent yeah no i i agree and and i'm glad you mentioned the abolitionists because like um the 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 activists um i i you know i know in in the area like a lot of them are a lot of their activism is, you know, part of the larger, uh, I guess, like police and prison abolitionist um, tradition. So, um, y- yeah, and I, 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 that's that's one thing I, I think, um, you know, I, I think we've we've talked about this on on this podcast and even elsewhere about like our issues with like the U.S. left. But w- one thing I will say that I do think um, I just do want to give like a real, just legitimate props to our our people in. Um, Especially black activists in smaller Black Lives Matter chapters across the country who are doing real um, uh, anti-police terrorist terror uh, activism, um, 
by the way, shout out to the Anti-Police Terror Project. I, I, we always put their link in the, in the show notes. But, um, you know, organiz- organizations like that that have been doing um, activism against police terrorism for years, like, I think those are the kinds of organizations are going to that are going to be uh, well-suited and well-positioned to do um, real uh, organized anti-fascist work um, along with other organizations like the Socialist Rifle Association, um, but I think like, yeah, like there, there are people who are doing this work and have been doing this work for a long time, but I think it's just, um, a matter of, uh, yeah, like p- putting, putting more manpower and resources to, to those kinds of organizations so that, um, we are in a position where we can actually defeat fascism in this country. Because again, I, I think like, you know, as sort of, well, definitely very spooky as this, this coup spectacle that this coup near coup or whatever i don't know what to call it anymore but like as as freaky as it I, the, was the like, cooeria i'm just gonna call it that. there we go cooeria yes the cooeria um as freaky as that was uh i i, I think like these people that, that that segment of the far right can be defeated um and of course like you know i'm i'm not like uh trying to be all like Oh, let's you know. Wait, we're gonna be in coalition with Democrats because, like, I don't, I don't, I don't. No, they're Democrats. they're an obstable too. Yes, uh, th- let's yeah, let's clarify that. Like, they are an obstacle too. Um, but yeah, they're not the same as the far right. Just to be clear, you know. Yeah, but, the, I mean, yeah, the Nazis are the enemy. Democrats are an obstacle. Exactly. Yeah, and so I think just um, uh, uh and the reason why I mentioned like white leftist is because I think like when it comes to from the perspective of black liberation, like people involved in like black liberation i think like we have our own set of kind of set of immediate concerns when it comes to empowering in the black community um but i also think like the responsibility of of white leftists is is uh because because yeah you're leftist but you're still white in america which means like you have access to white spaces and that means you can use your access to those white spaces to um uh basically do counter intel and like spot like you know these some of the white people in your spaces who you can kind of see like wait is this guy like becoming a proud boy or a nazi like so i think my point in bringing up is that like there there can be a there's a strategic alliance between like white people who do that in white communities to organize against fascism um and then uh people doing um black liberation in black communities and then you know working in tandem with uh um abolitionists um both like black and white and um other other non-whites like asians and latinos and native americans so you know like people have the thing people have done this stuff before the reason i'm saying is yeah, people yeah have, people have we're done not this. reinventing the, the wheel right. honestly yeah so which is good because it means that yeah i mean certainly there's a roles for creativity and and new ideas but a lot of this stuff is is pretty basic um and it's it's just it's just something that has to be done and you know and i'm trying to figure out how i can you know take take it to that next level too um you know like learning martial arts and stuff like that i mean i think part of it is like yeah like a physical and mental readiness uh Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. these people are here and they're not going away and i think what's most important is to not be afraid of them because yeah. the thing, I think the difference between, you know, com- people I call comrades or would 
want to and and libs is that libs are afraid of the right and Mm. that's that's the thing is you know they're so terrible and you watch on tv and they're the source of everything bad and look they are ghouls but being afraid of them doesn't help anything it does it just it just drives you back into the arms of the democratic party and you know like yeah the if the republicans are the abusive father you know then their democrats are the enabling mother um and having breaking that cycle of fear uh is so important and i i remember keep coming back to this like during the bernie campaign then during george floyd and it's just fear all they have is fear and over everything else we have to conquer all forms of fear um because that's 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 the only thing that they have at the end of the day you know if we like we could we can have the numbers and we can have the mobilization and you know we can have enough resources to be able to do what we need to do uh but if everyone's afraid then we won't be able to do anything and so that's that's the thing that i think you know as people i don't know if anyone's still trying to sort through this stuff but i think that you know that, that's the message I really wanted to get on here and say is that you cannot be afraid of these people. You need to understand like the grave challenges and threats that they pose, but you cannot be afraid of them. Yeah. 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 Very, yeah. Very well said, Peter. Yeah. And, um, uh, there, there is, I mean, to kind of close it out, I don't want to drag on this issue, but I, I, we did talk about the whole, um, force the vote thing, and I'm not going to go into the details of that. Uh, but, um, I mean, the reason why I brought it up is because I think one thing it illustrated is that I think there's a kind of um, split even within like the post Bernie U.S. left about like where where what to do. So I think there are some people who again are more focused on electing progressives into Congress, and others who are trying to do like base building, independent party type stuff and i think like um what forced the vote did is it it revealed um those tensions that and i I don't want to get into the whole like jimmy door versus young turks versus majority poor versus brianna taylor uh, brianna joy gray sorry brianna joy gray (laughs) uh no 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 rest in peace brianna taylor but brianna joy gray um i don't want to get get in get into that because uh, that's this silly left media YouTuber drama that just is just, just, just we have no time for that. But I think what it did reveal is like I think an important like divide within the left about like where where to go um, now that Bernie Sanders is out of the equation. Uh, and I think like you know twenty twenty one this new year and um, pretty much this new decade uh, the twenty twenties we'll let's see the new roaring 20s we'll see we'll see we'll see what that brings but i think like i think like uh the the u.s left is kind of like at this i guess you could say like internal crossroads in terms of direction and where to go and what are the stakes and um yeah i think that the the stakes are like you know obviously climate change is one of the major stakes and i think they're, they're of, world historic yeah they are world historic stakes and you know we're in the united states and you know uh the hard the belly of the beast the the u.s empire and you know i think um the, the, just basically yeah like getting rid of the empire the the imperial machine 
um, is important. And I think like, you know, that's this sort of long-term trajectory and what are the stakes. But in terms of immediately, like right now, like 2021, I'll just go back to the point I was saying is that like, again, I think we can expect more of more far right and white supremacist extremism in this country. And these people are not going, going away. Uh, people call it Trumpism. I don't think it's, it's not a Trump thing. This is just like, just, just, it's always existed in, in the United States. It's just like Trump was the modern uh, iteration of it. He was, he was a modern. He was the last, I don't know. I'm not going to use a fucking Marvel <laughs> analogy. He opened the door. Um, and, but they were already there and like they were like they were going to get they were going to get brought into the Republican Party at some point anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. And uh, I think is is I think we should expect that. But I think one in terms of direction for the U.S. left is, uh, um, yeah, like I think a greater emphasis on um, anti at least like local anti-fascist organizing um, militant anti-racism and that all ties with um abolitionism and also internationally um anti-imperialism so i i would i would kind of group all group all them as like linked together so like, yes yes anti-imperialism because 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 sorry go ahead um i i see I, there are a bunch of dipshit lib journalists uh who are like i'm so sad that all these hong kong protesters i was uh gassing up like are now retreating stop the steal or like all the like venezuelan freedom fighters turn out to be all trump people too and it's like yeah the exact same uh reactionary far-right forces that the cia employs and funds uh (laughs) you know around the world to do the empire's dirty work like they're also getting brought back home Mm -hmm. uh that's really that's fascism is always the periphery coming back to the metropole so so yes that that's why you have to understand how it's all connected yeah yeah exactly yeah so i would i'll group all that together so like anti-fascism militant anti-racism abolition and then anti-imperialism and then like you know um as a pan-africanist like yeah like pan-africanism is basically like the the i i basically like anti like the light anti-colonial language for for black people um people of african descent both in the in the diaspora and, and on the continent so that's that's our language is is pan-africanism anti-colonialism anti-capitalism and yeah i, I think like that like 2021 like that I, I hope that that'll be the direction of the left instead of just like more um you know, electing justice Dems to Congress. Cause, uh, I mean, like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not here to be like all, all of them are sellouts and, and go that far, but it's like, look, like, like they don't like that. It's just not, it's not going to do much without like a very, very strong political and so an organized political and social base on the, um, on the left within the United States. So, um, yeah, that, That'll just be the way I ended. I hope, yeah, that that um, that basically, hopefully, people do more anti-fascism, anti- militant anti-racism, abolitionism, and uh, anti-imperialism. And I think that's a that'll be a good way to end this episode, right? We're at an yeah, hour seven. Yeah, no, we, we kept it kept it short for us at we, least. Finally, <laughs> yeah. 
hopefully we can keep doing that for the new year oh all right dope okay yeah well 2021 damn Whew. well i'm we'll see uh, yeah we'll see yeah 21st century baby uh <laughs> is, is rolling yeah uh and yeah uh, yeah i guess in in the housekeeping but yeah so um uh, patreon.com slash real hours if you enjoyed this episode you can get bonus content for five dollars a month that's where we have uh theory readings like walter rodney um sylvia winter and and other stuff and then we have like often sometimes like ex- exclusive interviews other kind of like bonus commentary rantings shit like that um but yeah like f- um that kind of money really does help support black independent media. And especially during a time like now, yeah, like black independent media is going to be very, very crucial uh, for times like this when we talk about fighting against fascism and and and, and uh, white supremacy. Uh, having a independent black political voice is important to counter their narrative. So you, you can see our podcast as doing that is basically like providing a counter narrative for like a lot of the a lot of bullshit and even like a counter narrative for even some of the um things that elements of um the left even get wrong which is uh that's that's just a hint for one of our upcoming bonus episodes by the way wink wink so it's even more reason for you to to support us for five dollars a month patreon.com slash real son car hours and again follow us on twitter at son car hours um we also did an episode with uh, Champagne Sharks, so check out Champagne Sharks. And definitely shout out to the rest of the Resistance Noir crew, uh, Drop Squad, Afrogen, uh, everybody else. So anyway, yeah, let's do our sign out. Um, keep the faith. And stay dangerous. Later. <laughs> <laughs>